This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are in our nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left from you. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a call and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us rise and share the peace of the Lord with one another.
the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the
saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, What does this battle wish to say? Others said, He seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took hold of him and they brought him to the Areopagus, saying, Can we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to us. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Aragopolis, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of purity and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live
see God's will that it would be you. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, having been subjected to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. We rise from the singing of the olive oil.
the answer is, I think, I did it quick a little bit ago, it's 840x uh, to the third. It's pretty simple, really. But I brought another question. You didn't learn that one? That's just a school question. All right, here's another one. What is the reason for the hope that you have? What is the reason for the hope that you have? God. God is the reason. That's a good answer. What's another one? Jesus. To be happy makes you feel better. Sure, it makes you feel better to have hope, right? When we get questions in school, right? Why do you? Why do your teachers ask you questions? Do you ever get called on? So you learn. They want to be sure that you're learning. They want to know that you're paying attention and that you're practicing the problems at home. And then you can answer what the fourth derivative of some function is, right? Because you practice. Well, we heard this question Mr. Schumacher read from that question in one of Peter's letters. It says, what is the reason in your hearts honor Christ, in your hearts honor Christ, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Can you give a reason why there's hope in you? So Brenda, what we talked a little about what hope is. What's, what's another thing we hope for? We hope for family. Things of, what else? What's that? Well, for, for your family too? Yes, lovely family. What else? Cleaning up the house for mom and dad, especially on Mother's Day, right? You already made your mom breakfast. Oh, not yet. But in Hebrews, I want to jump into Hebrews. Faith is the. Do you have faith? We have faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus as our Savior. Faith is the assurance, being sure of what we hope for. I hope to be in heaven with Jesus one day. Faith. The assurance of what we hope for. Just like in school, you have questions, and we get questions as Christians too. We get questions. Are we sure of that hope? Are we going to have a test? Yes. Mr. Schumacher also read that. He said he read that in Acts. Paul was talking to people in and he said, God has a day, a fixed day where he will come and test. He will be the judge. Jesus will come down to God. He will judge the world. All those good things we're supposed to be doing as Christians, right? Is that what we're going to be judged on? Are we going to have to be good enough? Good to be good. God wants to see us be good, but He says He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He appointed by raising Him. 
man from the dead. Who's that man that was raised from the dead? God. God was raised from the dead. That's Jesus.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <coughs> Athens was no small city. In the ancient world, it was the center of science, philosophy, and art. People would come from all over the known world to the great city of Athens. The marketplace of ideas was strong and thriving there. You've heard of Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, those greats of Greek philosophy. Well, they called Athens home. Nowhere in the ancient world was there a more well-respected, civilized, and depraved city. For yes, Athens was on the cutting edge, the center of culture, philosophy, and literature, but it was also full of all sorts of vice and excess. Here, in our modern age, we stand in the legacy of Athens. Western culture is the descendant of that great city. We are always advancing, always craving and creating something new. You want to find the marketplace of ideas today? Well, just go online. There you can find the latest and greatest technology and information that our ancestors could only have dreamed of. All the philosophy of Athens makes up a tiny fraction of what's available on the internet. And yet, in the words of Obi-Wan Kenobi, you will not find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy than online. The place of all knowledge is also the place of all depravity and vice. All sorts of evil happens on the internet. There you will find people like those in Athens, always seeking some new experience, even if that experience is full of sin. But why does this happen? Why this pattern of advances in technology and advances in sin? Well, for Athens, the answer lies in their gods. Every false god is invented by man. It is a lie told to others and also to himself. The gods of the Athenians were made by human hands. They sculpted their divinities, crafting them out of stone as they crafted their stories about them. And here's the thing about making your own gods. You get to make up the rules. You get to allow whatever vice is your favorite. So why not just let people do what they want? Why not eat, drink, and be merry? Give people some freedom, even if somebody else would say that that's a sin. So isn't it a good thing that we've moved past all of that? We're not in that primitive way of thinking anymore. We live in the modern age. Sure, if you scour the country, you might find one or two people bowing down to and worshiping a statue, but we've moved past that. We are no longer in that primitive way of thinking. Here in the Western world, we have no gods. Right? Wrong. The truth is, we have our gods. 
They just go by a different name. We have forged the world around us with our own hands, by our buildings, our roads, and our factories. We have given it shape. And in America, we have forged this nation and connected it to the rest of the world by means of the Internet, a technology made by human hands. Technology is one of our gods. It is a way that we understand the world and exert our power over it. It is a tool to help us in our work and at our play. The world fears, loves, and trusts in technology above all things. And this is clearest when you look at the world of artificial intelligence. The world is obsessed with creating an AI. The hope is that we'll be able to create one that is smarter, more capable, and more powerful than any human being. A god in our own image. Trained on our creativity and logic, given shape by the words we speak to one another. And when this god of ours is finally created, we will have oracles who can ask it for advice, look to it for guidance, and have it tell us at last the way of salvation. Now, AI is certainly a powerful technology, but like any technology, it has its limits. It is a tool and not a god. No matter what capabilities AI will give, it will never be our creator. We made it, not the other way around. Fearing, loving, and trusting in technology will not save you, even if it's one as powerful as AI. Now, in many ways, this is very similar to Athens. Athens had many statues. Statues are not gods. They have no power in them. They are just cold and dead stone. But when the men of Athens began to worship these statues, to bow down to them, to offer sacrifices to them, and they feared, loved, and trusted in them above all things, those statues became their gods. And yet, cold, dead stone, no matter how many sacrifices you offer to it, will not save you. Now, the false gods of Athens and the false gods of Ai have the same fundamental problem. They are creations, limited by their creators. They cannot save us. So this leads to a lingering question that both Athens and our world today has to answer. What happens when our gods fail? Well, Athens had a very clever solution to all of this. A big part of their religion was in keeping their gods happy, greasing the wheels, offering sacrifices so their wrath wouldn't fall. But, they reasoned, we can't really know about every god that's out there. I mean, what if we missed one? And so what they did, it's a pretty clever solution, just to cover all of their bases, they built an altar and titled it to the unknown god. 
Maybe they would offer a sacrifice on it once or twice a year. So that way, if they found some other god that wanted to come against them in wrath, they could say, Ah, we have been offering sacrifices to you all along. It's a great way to cover the bases, be safe. And that way, if their own gods couldn't save them, hey, who knows, maybe this unknown god could come through. Now, on this front, Athens was far ahead of our modern age. What drove them to create this altar to the unknown god was a deep sense that their gods weren't quite the right answer. That their gods couldn't do enough to save them, so maybe this unknown god could. Well, this is what we call natural knowledge of God, the true God. And our modern culture has the same sense, that same question. But we who live in this enlightened time know for a fact that there's no such thing as gods. So the question just goes unanswered. What happens when our gods of technology fail us? I guess we're doomed. There's not really an answer in modern society, so this question keeps gnawing. The Apostle Paul is in Athens. He sees their idol worship, and he has seen their altar to the unknown God. He recognizes that they're looking for something more certain than gods made with their own hands. So Paul begins to preach about the true God in the synagogues and in the marketplaces. And he causes such a stir that they bring him to the Areopagus, or Hill of Ares, the Greek god of war. This was the usual place where the Athenians would debate and discuss new ideas. And so Paul begins, bringing up the fact that he has seen their altar to the unknown god. He says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown god. What, therefore, you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Here, Paul says, let me tell you about your unknown God. He is the maker of heaven and earth. He is the Lord of all. He is the only true God. Let me take this unknown God and make him known to you. And he is not like your other gods. He continues, We ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. God does not come from the imagination of man. He does not come out of a machine. He is the one who made man. God is the one who set the world into motion, creating the world and everything in it. And God is the one who created, which means God is the one who can save. So what happens when our gods fail? 
Well, that is when they prove that they are no gods at all, just creations of man. So why would anyone believe in these false gods? This cold, dead stone that cannot offer any salvation? Well, simply because they like making up the rules. They like doing whatever they want to do. Because if God is the one who created us, that means he's in charge and not us. We don't just get to call evil good and good evil because it's more fun that way. Right and wrong are fixed. And so, as Paul says to the Athenians, and also preaches to our modern age, God commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. Not only does God make the rules, he also enforces them. Judgment is coming for sin. God will not allow evil to continue forever. He will not allow his creation to worship its own false gods. God will make himself known. He will judge the world, and he will punish sin. So he calls all people everywhere to repent, to turn from their false gods and wicked ways and live. He knows that Jesus is the only way to salvation, He wants all of us to know it, too. But now, wait a minute. How can we be so sure about this? We're not the only religion out there with a big old sacred book. We're not the only religion with a story about a god. How do we know that we're right? How do we know that Jesus is the only way? Well, God is not silent. He has given us his word, but he also gives us a pledge and guarantee that his word is true. As Paul continues, And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. We know that Jesus is the only way to salvation because Christ is risen. There are many religions. There are many holy books. There are many men throughout history who have been crucified. And I bet at least some of them were claiming to be some kind of God. But there is only one who rose from the dead. Jesus' resurrection is God's seal of approval on all the scriptures. It is proof that Jesus is the Son of God, that his testimony is true. So let all the gods of this world fail. Let them crumble away into dust and ashes. Let them show what they really are, lies and falsehoods. Because they are just tools. They are not gods. And our tools may fail, but God does not. God will not fail you. And when someone asks you, why you believe this, you can say, because Christ is risen. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all human understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds steadfast in the one true faith until our Lord returns in glory.
We rise to confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only God and Son of God, the God of his Father before all worlds, God and God, light and light, very God and very God, the God who not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. And was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the promise. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. In our prayers, remember Isaac, Beth Fleming's nephew, pray for continued recovery that he may be able to return home. For Daniel Collins, a former student of Pam Stuffs, who endured daily neurological pain. For Pastor John Sotan, who's recovered from a bone marrow transplant. George Snyder, Cece's father, undergoing radiation treatments. Kelly France, a friend of the house of Bill Francis, continuing treatment for cancer. For Janet Young, recovering from a fall at home. For Kenneth Kahn, John's father, undergoing radiation and chemo for brain cancer. For Reba Burnett's brother-in-law, Jeff Lucan, who's recovered from a serious procedure. For the family of Virgil Lackey III, a friend of Orion Coates, who died this last week. For Frank Sims, a friend of Bruce Selmeyer's undergoing treatment for brain cancer. For Carol, a friend of Richard Cheryl Dave Barker, who's undergoing, um, has ongoing health concerns. For Max Hubble, a brother of a school student who's in the burn unit at UC after a, being burned in a bomb fire. For Dan Hyde, recovered from back surgery. For Paul Jensen, uh, a former pastor and friend of the Vicky Schwab, who's fighting stage four colon cancer. And for Candy Tenden, who's fallen and broken her wrist. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, I have for the church, that the Lord will bless and protect his people in a world where many false gods, known and unknown, are worshipped, and that he will give his saints a clear and bold proclamation of Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord for patience and endurance in Christ, that we may have the privilege not only of believing in him, but also of suffering for his sake. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord for this congregation and its catechumens who have Receive the Spirit of truth and holy baptism that they may not slip into sin and unbelief, but always praise God before the world. Let us pray before. Lord, 
glory matters. For the leaders of all nations, that those who seek peace and serve justice will be sustained in their service, and that all who cause evil, violence, or oppression will be frustrated. Let us pray for the Lord. For the gift of mothers who raise their children in all things good, a mirror of God's love, that they may be strengthened in their calling and sustained through weary and difficult times. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord For the lonely, the destitute, and the homeless, that they would rejoice in the presence of the Lord and trust Him for their daily bread, and that the Lord, who had promised not to abandon or leave His orphans, would make us messengers of His mercy to reach out to those in need. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord For the needy, the sick, and those who requested our prayers, especially Isaac, Danielle, John, George, Kelly, Janet, Kenneth, Jeff, Burton, Sam, Frank, Carolyn, Max, Dan, Paul, Candy. Let us pray to the Lord. For all who receive Holy Communion today, that they would know Christ, who does not leave us above me, but strengthen the faith and equip the love of his coming and children with his very body and blood. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord. Hear us, Heavenly Father, for the sake of Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
contrary to that you should at all times and in all places. Give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, and most especially acknowledge the praise you on this day for the glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, the very Paschal Lamb that was sacrificed for us and bore the sins of the world. By his dying, he has destroyed death. And by his rising again, he has restored to us everlasting life. Therefore, with Mary Magdalene, Peter, and John, and with all the witnesses of the resurrection of angels, and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying,
body and blood of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, strengthen you and preserve you in true faith of the life everlasting. Heart in peace. Your sins are forgiven. Thank you.